Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. On today's episode, we're going to be talking a bit about workflow and turnaround time, about scheduling, and why communication is so darn important. So, Sam, you want to dive into this? Oh, I would love to take a deep dive into it. Let's take a deep dive. Off the deep end. We should have some trippy music right there. That that that's that was exactly that's deep what dive I was music thinking. right there. That's, <laughs> that's like trombone mouth deep dive music. <laughs> deep dive one hundred and one music. Okay, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's talk about workflow. So about a week ago, I had a question for Sam about his workflow and uh, how he gets. Uh, how he's able to process some stuff so quick. And I've been doing a lot of research on gear slots and everything else, and I'm not going to hide behind this veil of, oh, I've been doing this for a long time, because I I haven't. Um, And that's just not who I am. And I'm not really afraid to say that. But I do believe, for not having done this as long as Sam has, that I, I don't think that I'm bad at what I do. I think that I turn out a pretty solid sounding project and you a do. lot of my clients agree thank you i agree um and peers mm-hmm. um so uh my first point is don't be afraid to ask questions and my question to sam was how do you get your workflow like so tight without compromising your end product because that's that's the goal right um i had a <laughs> when I was like a kid, I had a lawn business. When I went to college, I sold it to a to uh, a friend of mine. And lawns that would take me, and these are big yards, lawns that would take me an hour or an hour and 15 minutes to do the whole cutting, weed whacking, blowing everything off, edging, not in that order. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to leave this stuff here. <laughs> uh, Tom would come to me, my friend, and he would say, I would say, how are you do? How how are the yards and everything else going? I was pretty invested in these clients, and he's like, oh, it's great. I'm about forty five minutes a yard, thirty minutes a yard, and like, what? So what are you doing? And it came down to that a lot of quality was being sacrificed, especially for what was being paid and yeah. for what was being expected. Yeah. So ever since then, I'm like, let's do this right, and if we're going to, uh, if we're going to try to get something to be more efficient. Let's do that in a way that does not sacrifice quality. Yeah. So when I started, and I imagine when a lot of people started in mastering, you were really just doing singles, as in that would really be all that you were trusted with. Right. And that was all that I was trusted with a while ago when I started. So I would make my session, and I would have my pre-master or my mix, and then I would have my session, and then I would have my master, and that's how it would be laid out on my desktop. And I would pull the mix into the session and master it, then export it. Uh, Very simple. Well, when I started getting EPs and full lengths, I never changed that way of doing things. And I'm like, this is taking a lot longer than it should be. (laughs) Right. What'd you say, bud? As it just gets complicated. It does get complicated, and it, there's a lot of files floating around, and you got to keep stuff organized. And I don't like a cluttered desktop, and stuff's getting cluttered. And it's like, how can I get this all down to one session? So I started asking Sam a bunch of questions, and that's currently how I'm doing it now. I'm not ashamed of it, but I was looking at stuff on Gear Sluts, and people are saying, "How many uh, mix? How many masters can you do a day?" And people were like saying into like the teens before they were starting to get fatigued. Yeah. But, or fatigue to the point to where you could not work. Right. I don't know how much of that was BS and how much of that was, look how big my fish is. Uh, <laughs> so my fish was this big. It's real big. So, yeah. So, I, so it's like, yeah, let me just ask. And I have no problem with asking. Um, so Sam's telling me how he was going about stuff and how to deliver a better product. Do you want to go through how you lay out your sessions, Sam? Sure. Is that cool? Yeah. I mean, it. it's all about... Super simple. Yeah. It's it's all very simple, and to me, it's all about organization. Um, and it's almost so simple that it's why people don't do it, because it seems like, surely this is so simple that I can just do it on the fly every time and, um, you know, not organize things properly. But 
as you get busier and as you make this, I don't know, your career, you start to have literally thousands of things a year. So it's one of those things where uh, if you've got a thousand different masters in a year, um, A, you're going to take up a lot of hard drive space. Um, So you need externals and then you need a backup situation via either cloud or external hard drives, which is a whole other topic. But A whole podcast almost. Yeah, on backup. But, you know, most stuff I get now is, um, it's like a standard master, an instrumental master, a TV mix master, and then maybe even another alternate master or a radio edit. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing a 10-song album, I'm going to be printing three to four versions per track. So that's 30 to 40 songs, essentially, per album, if it's a 10-song album. So already you're like 30 to 40 tracks deep, which is a lot for one project. Um, And so, I mean, really, it'd probably be best just to go through my whole workflow. But when I take on a project, um, someone fills out my quote form and gives me some basic information on the project, the band, the budget, when they need it, how many tracks, what kind of master they need. And then we have a conversation about that where I just get clarity and solidify details of timeline, budget, how many tracks, what that includes, you know, and when I can deliver it turnaround time uh, based on my current calendar and workflow or work amount. And then uh, I send them the mastering checklist, which we've talked about kind of in depth before, so I won't go too far into that. Um, but for those that are just listening, the mastering checklist essentially uh provides me with all the details I need and that you need as an artist for a proper release. So that includes, you know, song, <coughs> song order, album title, genre, any coding that needs to be done. See other episodes for coding. I won't go into that. Um, kind of any references, uh, hopes and dreams for the process, and um, just any other questions and concerns um, that the person or artist might have going into the mastering stage. Um, so that, I always require that to be filled out before I usually start. Um, and so that gives me a really good picture and kind of some boundaries of, you know, starting to, starting to, um, basically shape how I want to approach the album. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and so. I think the reason why I like the mastering checklist real quick. Um, and what I tell my clients is it gets everything expectation wise written down on paper. Absolutely. To include budget. Because, like, money is one of the weird things that's hard to talk about. Yep. And if you have it in there, it's like, what are you expecting to pay? Right. And what are you prepared to pay? Yeah, exactly. And it really just gets it out so that it's like, it's just a talking point at that point. So. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, no, that's what it's all about. The mastering checklist gets all the expectations out, which is the key to working quickly and efficiently and being able to give out quality over and over again is having expectations. If I could give anyone listening one like major thing, it's getting out the expectations of budget timeline and taking a realistic look at where the song's at and where you think you can take it and making that clear to the client with, um, you know, And making sure they know it's not a personal attack on anything they've done or the mixer or anything, but just being really honest um, that if they want a song to get to a certain level, it needed to be mixed a certain way, most likely. Uh, Mm -hmm. The parts have to be there in order for me to kind of put it all together and make the master sound great, like what they're going for usually. Mm -hmm. So that's always key. So I have all that documented. I get the files. I always take payment up front 99% of the time. Um... So that's another big thing uh, I recommend people doing is taking payment up front. If people have a problem paying you up front, it makes me feel weird because it implies that maybe they could not pay me after I do the work or they're assuming that I'm not going to deliver the quality they want. Um, and so that's kind of a weird place to start a project with them essentially saying, yeah, I don't really know if you're going to deliver it but I guess we'll work together, and if I deem it good enough, then you'll get the payment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that whole concept is, is really messed up, and I think everyone should get paid up front. <laughs> That's my opinion on it. Um, and you see, I'm, I'm, like, I'm of the whole thing of I don't 
And and I I don't it might just be to where I am right now yeah. that um I want to make sure that the client is 100% happy and then like with everything that's going on. And I understand cash flow and everything. Yeah. Uh on like the business end and the personal end, I understand that as well. Right. Um my mindset at least where I am right now that I haven't been doing this as long. So I'm going to make sure that you are 100% happy with where everything stands and then the awkward invoice comes in to be like, oh, okay, here's my bill. Yeah. And it's like, that's just that's just how I operate. And it's like, I just try to feel stuff out. It's like, if I just feel like you're going to be flaky and not pay or something like that, I'm just like, I don't think it's a good fit. Right, yeah. Yeah, I understand so, that. Like, I think I was, I mean, I was that way when I first started too, was like, I don't get me wrong. I would love to be, yeah, pay me in order to get on my schedule. I feel like when I shifted, though, I really do believe in this. Like when I shifted <clears> to payment up front, I got better clients, and I yeah. had a few people who were like, "Well, I'm not working with you," and all those people, um, that was probably a good thing. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's just how it well is. Put. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, you want to work with people that believe that you're actually going to do your job well. Um, and that you want to work with people that want to compensate you because that, to me, keeps everything going smoothly. Um, whenever I work with anyone, I pay them fully up front before we even hit record if I'm doing a project. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how I roll. I've found that you know either way I know at the end of the day I'm paying, so it's like mm-hmm. I might as well pay up front because they're going to work. In my experience, I've seen people work like twice as hard. When you yeah. give them the money up front, there's that little fire under their butt of like, oh shoot, I yeah, got this awesome. money. I got to do something now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I got a deadline. I got to meet. Yeah, and that's and I feel that too. You know, the the bigger the project you take on, and the higher the budget, and you get that big number coming in, and you're like, all right, it's go time. Like, <laughs> I got to do this. Got to execute. Yep. And I know I'm gonna do like a good job with it, but there's just that kind of it's an accountability thing. Um, and I think that's good. I think it's good to have that, you know, to, to, to see that money come in because at the end of the day, money is really important to all of us to be able to do mm-hmm. this for a living. It's just part of the, part of, you know, being alive and being in America. Well, not just America, but everywhere. But yeah, I, I feel like when I, when I switched to getting the money up front, I almost became more laser focused about my time mm. because there was no more... Um, well, if I don't do a good job, then they don't have to pay me. So it's kind of like, eh, hmm. you know, I don't have to maybe focus as much. Or I can let things kind of slide. And, and I'm not saying I did that, but that was just the thoughts, you know, like yeah. the, the conversation <clears throat> of, well, maybe, you know, they haven't paid me yet. So if I kind of botch it or I don't feel like I know what I'm doing yet, then it's okay. And um, I get to this place of, I, like if it's not good, I will completely. I, I will go as far as deleting the whole session. <laughs> right. Like I will wipe everything that they gave me, and yeah. I will pull everything back. Like yeah. I will go back and re-download the file and be like, <laughs> "We're Start starting over. everything again." Yeah. And I'm gonna blame it on the download <laughs> or right. something. Must totally. have corrupted it or something like that. And it's like we yeah, are totally. starting from scratch. Yeah. I've done that. So, I mean, I've, I've done that before. I'm a, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist, but it's like I don't want to turn a subpar right. uh, thing into a client. So it's like, I'm, and I'm not saying that anyone else does, it's just this is how I do it. If it doesn't right. sound like this, I'm going to push stuff back, which is not the most professional thing. I'm going to push stuff back so I know that this project received the most attention that I could possibly give it. And if I needed something different in the in the mix, I'll I'll ask for that. And it's like I just want to make sure that this comes out as sounding as best as it possibly can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find that you know, it's I do that sometimes too. It's I think that's pretty normal. From I mean, I don't do it as often now because I really know I feel like what I want to do with the song. Yeah. Based on where it's at and where it needs to go and what they want done, but. I definitely have had times where I will just clear the whole chain and and patch something else in or a different order. Um, yeah. And I mean, sometimes I even do that. I mean, we talked about it before. That's part of the fun is experimenting, and that's part of why I actually I don't really let people attend sessions is because I may try a signal chain 
just to see how good it sounds, and maybe that one doesn't sound great, or maybe it's awesome, but I want to compare and see if I can beat that chain um, to try and get, quote-unquote, the best end product, which is a moving target. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying, like, it's it's okay to do that. <laughs> it means you care, you know? It's like, uh, it'd be like a singer wanting to do another take and someone be like, no, you don't get another take, sorry. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that was the one. No takes, no comping, no editing allowed. Yeah. Attended uh, sessions can go weird, too, and it's like, I don't want someone to be like, well, why are you doing this and getting compression here as opposed to using the compressor on the thing right. you paid $4,000 for the reason that I might be using you is right. because you have a piece of gear. Yep. And it's like, well, that's actually not doing what I want it to do right now, and this does, and you might find this way to be cheap, but this is a better sound than what I'm getting out of here, and we're doing this for your music. Right. And not for, like, the underlying principles of what your signal ran through. Yep. So that's the goal. Absolutely, yep. So, yeah, so I get, you know, I get the recap, the quote form gets done, the mastering checklist gets done, payment gets done, I get files. As soon as I get files, I will set up my session um, in Logic, which is what I work in. Um, My Logic, it's a template, a mastering template with basically... Um, an out, a track that goes out to all my gear, and then uh, a track coming in, printed. It's called Mix Printed. Super straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. And I lay out everything much like most people do, um, which is kind of like, um, I don't know, what do you want to call it? It's not checkerboard. That's the wrong <laughs> word. I don't know. Basically, the order of the album, I kind of like sequence it out, how it will maybe be, or based mm-hmm. on their you know track listing. And... Um, then I save it, and then I start listening to it top to bottom on how you know they're going to get it. So songs mm-hmm. one through ten, uh, I'll listen to all that once, twice. I've talked about it before. I make mental notes or mo- notes in Logic about kind of my thoughts, where it's at, where it needs to go. Sometimes, if I'm really excited and I just already know this is where I want to take it, I'll you know imp- I'll turn the bypass off on gear and put something in just to be like, yeah, that's the that's the correct direction or no. You know, kind of... It's, yeah. it's For me, it's always like this ongoing mental checklist of, is this better or is this worse? Will this make it better or will this make it worse? Will this get us closer to the end goal or not? Like, So I'm flipping things in and out kind of as I'm going on songs to kind of be like, oh, yeah, the overstay or low-end shelf is really actually taking care of that, um, you know, the low-end buildup or something. Uh, so I think I may do that on most of the album or something if it feels that way or I don't know it just it just depends you know every project's different so Mm. I'll listen through and then I will start on usually song one honestly because if I'm doing a whole album I want it to flow and have some sort of kind of emotion or dynamic build throughout Definitely. So I start at one because I know song one realistically is not going to be as loud as the last song um, that's usually how I work. I, you know, I know we're in like loudness wars where everything seems to be smashed, but I think there's things, there's tricks and things I do to make it still feel like it moves and breathes um, mm-hmm. from the start to the end. And yeah, I just start working through the song. And honestly, at this point, I can get through a whole album in a day. Um, pretty standard. I do usually a couple albums a week. And I will do them all in one day. I'll print them all. And then the next morning, I'll listen to it all top to bottom with fresh ears. Smart. And usually, I will make one or two overall. It's mainly level adjustments of like, actually, song six feels a little more overpowering than five with Mm -hmm. the lineup. So then it's, you know, the conversation of do I boost, you know, if six is too loud, do I turn six down? And then finding out where five's at, and then of course where seven's going to land. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. this little um, the balancing act, I'll say, of trying to figure out what will best serve that section, or, and then the album as a whole from start to finish. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I do that, print it all, <clears throat> and then that's what I would call a master reference, um, not the final. Uh, it's a reference because I'm going to send it to my client for them to review it top to bottom. Um, and once 
they listen to it. I usually tell them to take at least a day um, with it to listen to it in all environments, morning, noon, night, at the gym, when they're tired, when they're angry, when they're hungry. Get sick of it. Yeah, earbuds, laptop, you know. Um, usually I try to get them to take a few days ideally, but some most people are just so excited that they don't. So that's fine. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, which speeds up my time. But I really try to make sure, make it clear that like I'm not essentially in a rush because they've already paid for my time and I've already allowed for that in my overall calendar for, like, the month. Um, and so then they'll respond either like, yeah, it's great, it's great, or, you know, song seven, or this song feels a little different, or we actually... I feel like what I notice the most, it's it's more people try, uh, just clearing up their expectations even more so in the feedback. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like most of the feedback I get now is not that something was good or bad or right or wrong. It was more of... Oh, I forgot to tell you on this song, we really wanted it to kind of be brighter than the reference or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the other songs. Or this, you know, this song we really had envisioned like the low end being super warm. So it's things like that where like, I mean, I do my my homework ahead and try to pull that all out of people before. Yeah. But, you know, the longer I do this, <clears throat> the more, you know, I realize people forget. You know, they forget to say things and... um you know, it's not a big deal. They want something brighter or wider or, or low-end to feel a little different. You know, I, I've kind of built that into my revision time each project, which is usually a few hours I kind of allow mm-hmm. for. Um, and then if everything's good to go, we will print a DDP if they're doing physical. And I do that in Triumph. I'll print everything in Triumph uh, finals. And then I will go back and print instrumental, TV mix, radio edit, whatever, all that. Um, and that usually takes a few hours. So I deliver it all via WeTransfer or Dropbox or a file upload server, depending on label management, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of verify it one more time, and that's a wrap, you know? It's a really, if I, I think the one thing to me, like talking through all this is, the amount of stuff I can get done up front really makes the process quick. So like getting paid up front, getting all the notes, you know, mastering checklists up front, all that stuff up front allows me to really wrap it quickly for them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also not tracking down money, so I'm not worried about that. So I'm able <clears> to get the next project going really quickly. Um, yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's my workflow. It's it's all about organization, like as far as file management to me, I have every year mapped out on a hard drive. Um, so like I have a 2018 folder called 2018 Music Projects. <laughs> In that, I have every client has their own folder. Within that folder, there's a subfolder of every project we'll do that year. Then when the year is done, I will back that up. I'm always backing up to three different hard drives. I'm obsessed mm. with backup. <laughs> so Same. I have everything from 2012 to now backed up three times. Um, I don't have any cloud backup, really, um, or online backup. I just haven't done that yet. I don't have a preference. Mm. But, um, yeah, everybody gets a folder, and it's all about organization, like, it's all about labeling. In my sessions, when I work on stuff, I'm taking notes all the time. So if I ever have to do recall, um, and I document way more than I think I should because you get, when you start getting busy and you start getting clients, you know, you're working with five clients a week, and everybody's talking to you about songs and things and, and different projects, you need to, mm-hmm. like, for me, I found when I started getting a lot busier, it was like I started sending the wrong file to people. <laughs> I started like making the wrong mm. tweak on the wrong song or like, oh shoot, what did I do there? What did I do here? And it's just stuff that like I wasn't uh, I wasn't prepared for. You know, when you're working on mm. one single a week, all your focus goes to that. It's really easy, hopefully, yeah. to manage that. But when you're working with five, two to five albums a week or EPs, you know, you're 40, 50 songs deep or 30 songs deep. And that's a lot to manage and a lot of things yeah, to is. contain, especially if you're doing different genres and different deadlines and different people involved. So I keep really good notes. I have on my Mac 
my notes pulled up every day, and it's called Do These Things, and I've blogged about it before. <laughs> um, and that's on top of my calendar that already has what I need to do. But the Do These Things is just a checklist for the day, an ongoing kind of train of thoughts with um, the status of where projects are. So, like, when I get a project, say it's it's Matthew's album, waiting on checklist, invoice. I used to have this on a spreadsheet. I didn't like the spreadsheet. I like writing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll say, like, Matthew, waiting on files, waiting on payment, received master checklist. And then when mm-hmm. I get it, I'll... Uh, I delete stuff out. So if you pay me and give me my master checklist and the files, I'll delete that off and say, Matthew, mm-hmm. uh, listen top to bottom. And then I'll <coughs> delete that, Matthew, uh, mastering, send you know tomorrow after review. And then I'll do that, and then I'll say, Matthew, waiting on feedback. And then I'll do that, say, Matthew, wrap, print other versions, you know, do DDP, wrap project. I'll do that, then I delete it. And for me, that's like, it's probably like a dopamine trigger, realistically, <laughs> like in my brain of like seeing myself accomplish lots of little things. But on my list of do these things, you know, there's usually five, anywhere from like five to 10 things going on with different people of statuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I share that with my wife too. So she can <coughs> see that I'm actually working <laughs> and where I'm at. <laughs> Which, you know, is part of, if you're married, like, and you're doing this, well, I don't know. My experience has been like people especially with mastering, people don't understand mastering very well. So mm-hmm. it's hard to have them understand why certain things take the amount of time it does or like what mm-hmm. all goes into it. So the more I found that I educate people and my wife and my family and or my parents and brother, the more I educate them on what I actually do um, beyond, the, beyond just like, oh, I did this song and you actually know this artist? Wow. Uh, they appreciate or respect, I'll say, uh, what I do in my time and, and the amount of effort mm-hmm. I put in. So that is it in a nutshell. Does that make sense? Yeah, and my situation is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get to uh, managing files a little bit better, like yeah. how you do. Yeah. Um, more like on the session level. Yeah. <clears throat> on the... Uh, on the file management level, I just have mastering projects file, which is backed up yeah. uh, quite often. And if I go in, and I have like everybody listed out, and I have it by year. Yeah. And I have, okay, well, they had, I'll go to a recent one. This person had a single and an EP that I've done this year. Yeah. You open up the thing, and it says, and I have several other folders that say artwork, invoice, which also has receipt, yeah. Uh, the master, the mix, and the session, yeah. For all of that, yeah. so and that's Great. that's how I organize it. And then I organize it by year, yeah. Um, that's starting to get a little interesting because uh, if I have somebody from a couple of years back that I did something for, and they're recording the exact same way, and it's like, like I want to recall that session, yeah. Like how was I doing that? And I don't really have a good way to keep track of. Uh, outboard notes, like I yeah. just take a picture and uh-huh. I write on the picture, yep. and I'm trying to find a better way to organize that because now I just have a lot of pictures of my gear with scribbles on <laughs> right. it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, but for the short term, that works really well. Yeah. I still have to figure that out. If anybody has a way of how you do your workflow, it's completely different and weird and awesome. Right. Please share that with us. Like Sam and I, like anytime y'all send us something. Sam and I send it back to back and forth to each other on iMessage or text message, whatever, and, and we nerd out about it, and we're just yeah, pumped and we're really happy, <laughs> and it like helps us to keep doing this. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, I pretty much do the same thing when I get a project in. I probably listen to it more than I should. Yeah, um, one because I'm excited, and two because I want to see like and hear the vision that you have for it. Yeah. Um, Pretty soon after I get a project in and someone's been talking to me and uh, they have the checklist and everything, um, before I start anything, I'll set up a phone call with them and I really just want to talk to them and I want to see their excitement for the project and yep. like what's going on with it. Whether it's with them or the producer or whoever, I want to have a phone call with somebody so I'm not going into it blind. Yep. I just... It's like while I have all of this time, like in between projects, which isn't really that much. I mean, I might have like a week at most in between a project. Um, 
I'm going to make the most of that time and turn that into a client experience with good communication. And so that they're excited for mastering and that they're learning what it is and they're learning why it's so important. Right. Um, When I start the session, uh, everything goes through RX and I physically look at the waveform. Like this is after I've done my preliminary listen. Yeah. I physically look at the waveform. Is there something that's weird with it? Um, Are there – is there a lot of clicks? Is the – Noise floor gonna <laughs> come through the roof. Like, yeah. what's gonna what's gonna happen with this? And let's try to nab any problems before they happen. Also, look at sample rate, bit depth, all that yeah. jazz, and make sure that everything's balanced and sounds good. Yep. Um, let's see. And then I think everything else is pretty much the same as you, Sam. Yeah, um, I, would I do say, my pre- no, I do my preliminary masters, and then I send those over to the client and. I'm like, hey, this has no data entered in it. These are just preliminary. Make any revisions you want. There is no limit to revisions. This is, I want you to feel comfortable with your song. Don't feel like, oh, I have to do this in two or three revisions. It's like, I want you to feel comfortable with it. They send it back to me, either revision or approved. And uh, if it's approved, it goes into finalization to where I compile the DDP. I um, do all the metadata and et cetera that happens with that. And then I print everything, put it all in a folder with a DDP player and say, hey, here's your album. Yeah. Don't open the folder, but you can listen to it. Right. And just essentially like what to do. And I also make sure to let people know that if you have any questions up until the release of the album, do not hesitate to ask. Right. It's like I'm here to make sure that like this distribution process is going like pretty much flawlessly like there shouldn't be anything wrong especially you're getting cds manufactured vinyl manufactured uh have a lot of clients getting cassettes manufactured so if you need to talk to anybody if they need to talk to the mastering person please do not hesitate to talk and reach out again right so make sure to say that but besides that i think yours and my process is pretty much the same yeah i mean it's 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 not to me once again circling all back all the way back to the beginning, like it's not rocket science. It's just all yeah. about the intentionality of organization for me and being really clear with people about what are we doing, what's the timeline, what's the budget, <clears throat> and what do you need delivered? Like, what is your actual, don't bullcrap me, what's your actual final delivery? Because I've been in situations where <laughs> we'll, we'll say one uh, thing and then they'll come back and be like, oh, yeah, we also need this version. In that version, and oh, here's this different mix, and then you're like... Or the delivery date you have as soon as possible. Yes. And it's like, bro, that's not a date. Right. It's like, <laughs> we're working with calendars here, mm-hmm. not bar napkins. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that, that's actually a really good point, because I get a lot of people who fill out my form and will say, as soon as possible, and the budget will be like, uh, basically an adjective. High, medium, none, low. And it's like, come on, like we're wasting I've time. I've never had that, but yeah, I do have a I lot of that. the as soon as possible. I also get a lot of people who write in their like explanations on why their budget is the way it is, um, which I don't ever want people to feel bad about not having the budget. But, it, you know, it costs what it costs. Like there's a value at what I, at what I provide, and it also takes amount of time and amount of gear. And... Yeah. If you are new just starting out and you don't have any money saved up for mastering and you want a professional product, then you may not be entitled to work with a professional right out of the gate. Um, so good. And that's that's just the way this industry works. Like the longer I'm yeah. in it, the more I realize why people get paid what they paid or why they get paid what they get paid. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, I... You know, it's what we do is really hard, you know, especially at a good, like if you're good at it, or not just good, if you're great at it. Um, and I'd say it's relatively taxing. Yeah, it's, it's exhaust, exhaustive and it, you know, is a certain skill set that most people don't have at the end of the day. And to be really great at mastering takes a lot of, of I mean, I think gear. You know, that's debatable, I guess, now. But, you know what I'm saying. It's There's a lot more that goes into it than people realize, and that's why people charge what they do. 
um, and they charge what they do because um, the amount of value they're giving back is usually even worth more than what they're charging. That's what I've found. And I've said that before, yeah. and I'll stand by that with like yeah, 99% and of the people I work with here in town still don't make enough money. Like they don't hmm. get paid right for what they're actually giving you as a product. And I think um, I think that anybody can be a mastering engineer. Yeah, and I I'll I'll so. stand I'll stand by this. I think anybody can do it, but to take the time and to like invest into what is this besides just watching YouTube videos about like uh, you make small EQ corrections because that's what mastering engineers do. Right. It's like, well, but you have to know why they do that right. and. Like, what's going in? So it's like you need to invest into that. So just to be like, to just say I'm a, I'll do mixing and mastering when you don't really know what mastering is. Right. What's that called, Sam? It's called lying. It's called lying. (laughs) Don't be that guy. No, don't lie. (laughs) You know who you are. Don't lie about what you can do and not do. It doesn't get you anywhere. No. If anything, it, it, it hurts It'll it ex- hurts everybody. That'll expose you eventually. I've seen that multiple yeah. times in town. So, so yeah. Question. Yes. How do you know if a project is a good fit? Ah, this is a great question. So when Thanks, I first, I wrote it. Yeah. You're so good at that. Uh when I first started, I took on anything. I've explained that before. Uh, I took on anything because I thought that's how you make a living doing music is just by working. Uh as I moved further along in the industry, uh, I realized there were certain genres or things I really liked doing. And when I figured that out, uh, I started really focusing on those genres or studios, more so studios or mixers, that I really liked their work and was Mm -hmm. coming out of there and what I felt like I had a lot of good experience to bring to the table to help them get their songs from where they're at and where they hope to take them. So for me, I mean, I I mean, I mean, really do kind of all genres, but I'm really starting to, I don't know. I mean, this last year I've done a ton of pop. Uh, <clears throat> I'm doing more and more rap, which I love, and that's been intentional. Um, I'm doing a lot of rock, indie rock type stuff. That's cool. And that's kind of where it's circling around, and that's where I feel like I've really, um, that's where the majority of my clients are coming from, is that referrals mm. are coming from that. People comment the most about that. Um, and so when people affirm you in things, we've mentioned it before, but that's usually a really good, like, hey, you're good at this probably. This could be This is thing. probably the best point I think has ever been made on this show. Oh, great. <laughs> about how to know, like, what you're good at. Right. This is my favorite point. So if, yeah. for those of you playing the home game, take out a notepad. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's this is the whole, this is how you, you thrive in what you do is when people tell you what you're good at and they affirm you and you get, for me, like referrals of people saying, hey, I listened to this album and it sounds terrific and I want you to do my album just like that and it's the same genre and that happens, you know, maybe one time a month and then the next year it's two times and three times and now it's six mm-hmm. people a month coming to you that are all doing, you know, dream pop or synth pop or whatever subgenre of electronic pop we have going on. Um, you know, I, you get more and more of that. And so if you, the good thing is the win-win is if you enjoy it, which I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and that to me, that's honestly what it all comes down to is do you enjoy it and it is it, is it really honest to who you are? And like, could mm-hmm. you, for me, it's always looking at the long, big vision of like, could I, is this something that I could do for the next like 40 years? Like, is this a mm-hmm. genre? Is this the type of people I want to work with? Um, is this a relationship with a studio or a mixer where I really am helping them get the best in product? Um, yeah. Am I, it's really about servant serving. It's, am I serving the song the best? for them and that's that's to me what it's about it's listening to where people affirm you in and then it's it's realistically looking at yourself and saying is this something I actually enjoy doing or am I doing this for the money 
And I found the more I stay in my lane too, and this is like maybe a whole other podcast, but we've kind of talked about it. The more I do, the more I master music based on how I interpret music, the more I create my own sound. Mm -hmm. And it's not a self-serving thing. It's not a pride or cocky ego thing that I have to put my stamp on it. It's really not that. It's just they're paying me for my ears and experience, and they expect Mm -hmm. me to call this done. And they expect me to, at this stage, I feel like most people expect masters to come back different, um, changed, better, enhanced. Um, if you don't do anything, your client may be like, what am I paying you for? You know, yeah. there's there's problems here. I feel like that, especially now, we have more issues with mixes than we ever have because we have so many um, poor mix environments where music's being made. Um which, I mean, I love... I agree. I love people ha- that have bedroom setups and things like that, but I've noticed over the last eight years a decline in sonic quality. And so every mm-hmm. stage has become more so about repair than enhancing. So that's what I feel like with mastering now. There's People are expecting... When I ask them about their thoughts or dreams or concerns, there's always something there where it's like, yeah, yeah we'd like this to be fixed or the mixer couldn't quite get this, so if you could work on that. Um, and so, <clears throat> you know, I do I do a lot more of that than kind of not touching the song. There's definitely, there's almost always things to do uh, so with it. my wife had this fantastic quote that yeah. she told me the other night. What is it? Uh, her and I were talking about, she has her own business, and we were talking about how do you know if something is a good fit or not. Yeah. And <clears throat> she said this, and it kind of blew my mind, and I never thought of it like this. Um, and I'll quote her in, the, in her, I will quote her in saying that some money costs too much. And I want to lead into when do you turn down business? Yeah. For me, as a question to you, I, turn, I haven't done it yet, and I'm <laughs> curious when I should or if. Or. I usually turn down business when I feel like um, the expectations are way different, or if yeah. they're this is that slippery slope of fixing things where they feel like um, they've they've run they've had all the revisions they can get with their mixer, and now they're expecting me to fix everything that their mixer Mm. couldn't do or that they didn't give the mixer. Um, So I can pretty quickly tell that um, if it feels like, you know, it's it's basically within the first, the mastering checklist. When I get that and we have the conversation of like, hey, I I noticed like you're, you're wanting me to like fix, you know, auxiliary perk and make that stand out, you know, more and, and fix the harmony. Like you want BGVs louder and those are things like I can kind of approach, but that's a mix thing, you know. And then mm-hmm. usually they're like, "Well, we the mixer's done, or we can't go back to him." And at that stage, I feel like I'm I'm working on something that's impossible, where it's not worth my time to try and troubleshoot mm-hmm. it and try to give them a product that I genuinely don't think I can do. Um, yeah. And that's always when I turn down work. I turn down work when I when I look at myself and look at what I'm capable of doing and saying, I can do this or I can't do this. And if I can't do it, I'll say, you know what, I'm not the person for this. Um, and that's kind of it, you know. The longer I do this, the less explanation I give for any everything I do, um, unless it's asked for because nobody really, you don't have to like take care of people, you know. And that was something that I've struggled with my with for a long time was like I would explain myself over and over again to try and not hurt their feelings or something. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's a business and I either can do the job or I can't. And mm. so I'll just decline and say I can't, you know, I don't think I'd be a good fit for this project. Thanks for thanks for filling out the form. And that's it. <laughs> like it's not a complicated thing. It's not a personal thing. Um, that's when I turn down work. Uh, I mean, I turn down work too if the budget isn't there mm-hmm. uh, most of the time, unless it is a returnee client or somebody I've worked with for a long time where I really love their work and 
there's plenty of situations in Nashville where you've got a new up-and-coming artist who's working with, you know, someone who is kind of respectable and maybe they have a pretty good budget, but it's not all the way there, but you know the people involved and you know the project's going to get pushed well um, or in front of more people. And so that at that time, you evaluate the worth of the exposure with your name on it um, versus someone random who has no no uh, you know no following, no interests, who just doesn't have the budget. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's always for me at this point, it's so business and it's got nothing to do with emotion at this point. And that's something I've trained myself in over the years mm. where like, it's it's hard to separate yourself from it all, but at the end of the day, for this to really work and for me to, to keep cranking out great quality and doing the work I'm doing, it requires it to make sense business-wise. And if you start undervaluing yourself and letting people take advantage of you or you, it's more so you've allowed them to take advantage of you. It's not their fault. Yeah, um, You're the one who chose to give away your power with that. Um mm-hmm. You know, you just you get bitter. I know, I know that I know you do because I do, and I know I have plenty of people who are still struggling, and they keep accepting lower rates, and and they keep working on things they don't like doing, and they're just miserable. You know, and it's hard to watch people do that. But until you're until you are really committed to what you're a good fit fit for, um, and you know what that is, then. I would say, too, it's hard to know what to turn down. If you don't know what you're yeah. really good at and what you love doing, how are you going to know if you should turn it down or not? Um, exactly. If you don't have a, a firm rate, how do you know if you should turn it down or not? If you don't know, yeah. like, how much you need to make pre-tax, you know, <laughs> to pay your bills? Because <laughs> a lot of people think they forget that they owe 20 to 22 to 25 27% more, depending on your tax bracket, like... That's a big chunk of Uncle Sam is one hungry piglet. It's a very hungry, (laughs) hungry pie. Holy cow. But yeah, I mean, that's just (laughs) saying this right after tax season. I know, yeah. I mean, but but at this point, I account for it. So it's not, I build it into the cost and what I need to make. That's it. So it's never, it's never a surprise. You know, (laughs) it's like the money set aside or it's, paid quarterly actually it's already done basically but yep um but yeah i mean i would say you turn down work when it's not the right fit for you uh if the budget doesn't work for you those are my two things you know and sometimes i refer work but i i don't know i just i feel like if if there's an alarm for me where it's like eh, this project feels a little weird i don't want to send it to like you <laughs> you know, and, like, stick yeah. you with it. Um, and that was something when I first moved to town, you know, I'd get work and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do this or this doesn't seem good. And then I'd pass it to someone and they'd be like, that sucked. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I swear it wasn't on purpose, you know, but <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, my gut I continually saw was being right, where it's like, yeah, I don't want to do it, but I know, you know, so-and-so would do it because they just want to work, which is cool. But then I started feeling like, oh, this isn't really, you know, we're kind of all in this together and we all kind of need to protect each other. And if a project feels fishy, then don't pass it along. Like, stay away from that, (laughs) you know, and focus on on the good people. And that's, I think, the thing is, like, there's so many good artists and clients that want to pay you, that, you know, are in this for the long run, that want to respect your rate. Um, and obviously finding those people is is the main battle for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's those are my, my thoughts. You know, work with good people, um, value yourself, and if the budget or the project feels weird, totally just, just bounce. Don't be a part Dip of it. Out. It's not going to be worth it. And within that, I guess one last thing with that is like, I really value my mental and emotional capacity at this stage mm-hmm. of my life at 30. I'm not that old, but um, there are projects where I, I'm way more aware now of how emotionally or mentally tolling it is. And mm. 
you know, I will sometimes, if I feel like I'm too busy, I will push projects farther away if I know, like, I actually need a day off or, you know what, I've been working, like, 12 days straight mm-hmm. and I need to, like, see my wife or something like that. Yeah. So I'll push things or I'll, I'll just straight up be like, hey, I can't do it for two weeks. If that works, that would be awesome. And if not, I understand. Um, and sometimes, I just had that last week. I told somebody that because I'm going out of town. And they're like, we need it done. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And they're like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and that was that, you know. Um, and they'll either, I, it sounds like they need to get it done. And so they're going to go to somebody else in town here they know. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just about being honest with yourself always mm-hmm. for me. And I feel like after doing this for so long, I just have a really good lens of like, I can tell if the project's solid um, based on what I kind of described earlier. And then I can check in with myself and go, are you really ready to take this on? Because mm-hmm. if I'm not ready to take it on, it's not fair to the client, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not fair to them for me to like <clears throat> rush through an album tired. Like that's, once again, that's like lying and dishonest, I feel like. Um, yeah, they hired you to be at your best for exactly. something they've sunk their money into and exactly. their life into. Yeah, and it's a big, every project's a big deal. Like, it is, because for an artist, they may do like five albums in their whole life. So yeah. if they're really successful, so like one album <clears throat> is 20% of their whole body of work for their life. Like, that's a heavy thing when you think about it. That's it. Um, and so I really value that no matter how busy I get or how much work I, you know, if I keep growing and growing, like every project to me is still special. It's still an honor. It's, I'm grateful to work on, on the things that I'm a good fit for. And, um, you know, I try to keep that in mind and, and that's why I turn down things because if I'm not a good fit for it, it's not doing anybody good. You know, it's not furthering the art, the music and the artist. So I will, I will easily pass on things if it doesn't feel right. So what if it just feels bad? <laughs> if it just feels bad? Just bad. You mean like the project feels bad? Like just the songs bad. sound bad? Everything's just bad. And then I pass on it. Why you, you just wanna, pass on it? Yeah, why would I spend my time working on something bad Yeah. in my life, you know? I'd rather go like, I'd rather pass on bad and go get a part-time job than, than work on bad. <laughs> Because the whole time I'd be frustrated, <laughs> you know. You'd be pissed. Yeah, I'd be like, this is uh, this sucks. This song sucks. This, uh, you know, my opinion is that it sucks. And <laughs> I'm miserable. <laughs> it's that mental, once again, it's a mental toll, you know. And that's like, where I really think that you get into it being that some money just costs too much. Exactly. Yep. And it's exactly what I, it is. I, I think that's just what I wanted to touch on there. Yeah. Well... That quote summarizes the last 10 minutes of me blabbing, so. (laughs) I mean, mean, I just, like, I have not been able to stop saying that quote. It just, it's like, damn, that's a good quote. It is a good quote. (laughs) I like that quote. So, and it's it's good for, like, self-regulation and whatnot. Right. So, um, real quick, because I think that, like, our next two points, we could pretty much do an hour podcast on each. Yeah. Um, so kind of jumping more to the end, what have you seen the industry expect for a turnaround time? Like the full-time music industry that you are neck deep in. Yeah. What are you seeing for an expected turnaround time? Not from the artist in per se, but like, because like they're going to be like as soon as possible. But like, what is like the average? Are you seeing? I mean, I usually turn around things within the week. That's kind of how I base my calendar. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I guess I would say I'm booked out more than that, but I manage to turn things around usually in a week or so. Mm-hmm. As far as label stuff goes, <clears throat> I would say no deadline is really a deadline based on my experience. So like the it just there's usually revisions and there's usually some sort of error somewhere from someone mm-hmm. and the de- the original deadline is more of like a suggestion. I've now I have had a label deadline of 
16 hours with one of Whoa. where I got the mixes in the morning. I had to turn in by midnight at night, and then it was pressed the next day. So it that was, was pressed quick. the next day. Yeah, sent off for pressing. Like the artist had approved it, the label had approved yep. it, the producer. Which was great. That was one of my first label gigs, and Dang. I didn't do a lot of label work, and since then, no label gig has been that quick. <laughs> so I, I long for that again, hmm. of the 16-hour turnaround. How quick did you get paid on that one? Uh, I got paid the next week. So the band was Is that relatively me. quick for a label? Yes. Well, that was a situation where the band was basically using the label for distribution. Um, and kind of like tour management, but not, hmm. they were paying out of pocket for their album and stuff, which is becoming more and more common. Um, I've had multiple artists where I used to go through the label, and now essentially what they do is they pay for everything up front, and then the the label kind of like licenses the album from them, the rights to mm-hmm. it, which you'll see that on Spotify all the time with like mm-hmm. so-and-so, you know, with exclusive license to Sony. Um, when you see that, that's usually the artist has, has some sort of deal that's different than the old traditional deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artist is probably putting up some money or maybe all the money for the album, for the product. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, the turnaround in my experience has never, it's never been an issue. I'll say that. Yeah. Like they usually ask me first, when can you do this and when can you turn it back in? And I give them a date. Same here. And then they say, I would say almost everybody's always said, yeah, that's fine, you know, within a week or two. Because uh, realistically, like with a, a larger artist, like they're going to promo a single. There's going to be a lot of time before that album comes out, basically. Yeah. Um, and usually they like to have the whole album done most of the time before the single comes out, unless they're using the single to try and leverage to get a bigger deal, which is a whole mm. other topic. But, um, but yeah, that would be my experience over the last I don't know, four or five, four years doing label stuff. It's they ask me, I give them my availability, my rate, and then they respond, and usually it's it's totally fine. So nice. I would say turnaround time. What's more important is just communication. Um, so like, even if it takes you three weeks to do something, just keeping people in check of like. Hey, today I worked on this song and it's sounding really good. Just wanted to give you an update. Like, people love that. And I love that yeah. too. Like, there's nothing better. I had a really a very old man who's been in the industry for a long time um, that I met. He's probably in his 70s now. And he was like, I asked him what is like key to success or whatever. He was like, over communicate. He was like, always over communicate. Mm-hmm. He's like, send them an email every day, every other day, but make sure like you don't fall off the map once you start a project. And he's like, if you do that, you will be better. You like, you'll always be busy. That's basically what he said. So I try. I and feel apply like that. even now, like with social media. Sorry for interrupting. No, you're fine. I no. feel like I feel like even now with social media, you can even do a post of like something that like say that you're scheduling something that's a couple of projects back. You finally get to it, and if like, and you just do like a quick like boomerang or something like that. Of just like, hey, yeah, starting to work on so-and-so's project, sounding incredible. Or like there's this project I just finished up where halfway through it I got to this song and it was absolutely incredible. And the more that I mastered it, I was like, it's not that like it wasn't beautiful before, but I'm mastering this and I'm like, man, if I knew the backstory to this, I'd probably be crying right now. Right. And it just became more beautiful as I did this, and I could not stop listening to it. Yeah. And uh, I I wrote him that night, and I was like, hey, what's this about? And uh, I won't won't go into it, but it was, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just like, but like keeping that communication there, I mean, there's, I don't think you're ever going to piss anybody off by talking to somebody about something no, they've labored over. Definitely not. No. It's like one of like the things about talking to people is talking about things that interest people, right. which nine times out of ten is something about themselves, which right. interests them the most. And this whole album is about themselves. Right. So, and like a labor of love. Yep. So I'm going to talk to you about this and it's going to get around to you and what's going on in your life. Right. So, absolutely. 
it's like, well, I might not be the fastest at a turnaround. Um, and I've, I've gotten a lot better within yeah. the past year and a half. And since, like, Sam and I started uh, talking and sharing notes and stuff like that, he's helped me around. He's helped me about a good bit. Um, but I try to compensate for that by making sure that they know that I am working my butt off just because yeah. I don't I, I don't do this full time. Yeah. Um maybe two, three hours a night. If uh sometimes my wife's really nice and be like, hey, why don't you take a late night and I'll put the kid down. And I don't I don't really like missing like bedtime yeah. and right. stuff like that. And I mean I don't get I only get to see the kid maybe an hour and a half, two hours before he goes to bed yeah. when I get home. So it's like like the little kid was born 11 months ago and he's already already crawling. He has six teeth. He's eating solid food. It's like, slow yeah. the hell down, kid. Right, right. So it's like, I get it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, sometimes my wife's like, yeah, go ahead and do this and I can knock a product out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, then it comes down to the client's approval. Right. Um, but when I'm not my fastest, I try to, beyond anything else, uh, keep the door of communication 100% open. Yes. So. Absolutely. Super important. Yeah, I mean, to me, communication is key in all of this is communicate, communicate. Because it's, I mean, it is scary when someone sends you, if you don't know the person personally, you know, and you're sending them a project, then you send them money. It's kind of like, well, I hope they, like, I get why people are hesitant, you know. Yeah. Um, If you don't have, like, credentials to back it up, I'll say. But it. Yeah, it's all about communication. It's about solving problems and and helping people know that you are invested in their project like they're investing into you, you know, financially. Um, Never ghost your client. Never, ever, no. Never ghost your client. Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about something that is frustrating? (laughs) Go. What? It's like you've, like, given money to somebody and you're expecting them to perform a value-added service which already takes a little bit of coaxing in order to get someone to buy into that sometimes. It's like I don't know how many times I'm trying to educate somebody about mastering and what it is and why it is necessary and why you should really not do it yourself. And then you get that and then you ghost them. Like you get the shot and then you don't respond and you just have their stuff and they don't hear from you. And then it's like, like what kind of transaction or what kind of business are you running? Yeah. It's like be communicating, be like a human being and like show them that you're enjoying working on their stuff and that you are like that your life is better because their work is on your desk. Right. I mean, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And right. it takes you what, two seconds, like a quick post or a text or an email. Right. Yep. And that's, <clears throat> I mean, the busier I get, I just have worked that into my weekly calendar. Like I spend yeah. time every morning and every night before. I call it a day at, you know, and I Instagram people back, I email back, whatever communication we're using, smoke signals, I will do that back, you know, and it's... <laughs> Get out your rug. Yeah. Get the smoke signals going. And that, to me, has made a huge difference. I mean, I know, like, some of my clients have told me that. They're like, we work with you because you, A, solve a problem I don't have to worry about, and you communicate clearly, and you deliver on time. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how many, I'll say, I don't know, they appear to be more successful, but how many people don't do that, you know, or how mm-hmm. mastering in general is kind of viewed as this like dark art or something. And I think a lot of that comes from like people not, you know, not helping out their client understand what actually is happening and not doing a good job of communicating. So I work really hard on that and I found that to be you know, if you don't know how to communicate, you're probably not going to have a business realistically. Yeah. If you don't have people skills, if you don't want to learn how to be uh, a salesperson or quote unquote an extrovert, like, and that's kind of the weird thing with the music industry because most people are introverted. But hello. Yeah. And it's totally <laughs> fine. You know, it's, but, but it's I'm going and grabbing a beer with a client tonight exactly, to talk about see? an upcoming record. But yeah. it's like, I like beer, yeah. and I'll talk to you if I got beer. Right, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, just go be a human. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about. It's Yeah, that's the communication process. That's why it's so important, because that's what humans do is we communicate. And 
if you're not willing to communicate with the people that are giving you money and trusting you with your music, you're probably not going to make it very long. So over-communicate, yeah. make them tell you, hey, stop telling me <clears throat> what's going on, which will yeah. never happen. <laughs> so totally. if anything, you'll get affirmation of them saying like, wow, you're so professional. Thank you. Like, I get that. People say that to me. Like, I, I mean, yeah, that's what it's about. It's about being professional, taking about. it seriously, and not treating it like a hobby if you really want to do it as a career. Um, and that's what it's all about. That's my opinion. Strictly my opinion. I mean, I think that's it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think there's any more to be said Excellent. about that. Good. So do you have anything else, Sam? No, I think that was great. I feel like yeah. I said a lot of things. So <laughs> You did say a lot of things. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel great. Well, cool. Um, yeah. So thank you again for everyone who listens to the show every week. Yes. Uh, we are like just shy of 10,000 downloads. Yes. In less than four months. So we're at like 9,200 downloads. And probably by the end of the month that we're recording this in, we'll be at 10,000. Which is kind of crazy because if you extrapolate that and forecast that data... That means that by the end of 2018, we will be over 20,000 downloads. That's crazy. Somewhere in the vicinity of 22,000 downloads is my projection, if everything goes according to plan. So that is freaking nuts. Yes, thank you, everyone. It's a a blessing. Oh, yeah. Sam and I were also talking about having merch, so if you want merch for Christmas, let us know. We might have a little store. We might. Yeah, call up Santa. We'll Santa. <laughs> I'm workshop. thinking of this saying we were saying earlier. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap. I'm not gonna say it on the air. It's gotta be a surprise. Surprise. If we do it. Twenty thousand downloads and Matt'll tell you. <laughs> Twenty thousand downloads and I'll tell you. So <laughs> I, I'm like I'm just thinking of it, I'm laughing. Okay. <laughs> So thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and for giving us, I mean, you, you have 24 hours in a day and you're giving us an hour of it. I mean, that's... Thank you. That's... Holy crap. Thank you so much. Yes. So, uh, Sam, anything else for the people in podcast land? Uh, well, one more thing. Whatever you're yeah. having, have a good one. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> Sam. Got him. Got him. Okay, that's it. That's all for me. Cue the music, Sam. Cueing. Thank you.